When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Come up with Ian Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Oh man, the first full weekend of college football is in the books. It started last Thursday and rolled through last night, your Labor Day Monday. And to say there were some surprises would be an understatement. We'll run through them. As Duke pulled the biggest of the stunners potentially last night. Um, so we'll get to uh, all of that. Also, the Longhorns, I guess uh, we start, start talking about this big game they've got this week, right? Um, oh, yeah, man. Kind of a big game with it's the Alabama huge. Crimson Tide. It's, um, might be the big, it's the biggest game of the college football weekend, is it not? And for a lot of people, mm-hmm. it's not the number one biggest game of the whole year as far as a non-conference game, right? A mm-hmm. intersectional matchup. There are some huge conference games this year where, you know, Penn State and Michigan and Penn State and Ohio State and Ohio State and Michigan are all going to round robin in the Big Ten. We now know the Pac-12 is going to be pretty pretty compelling with Washington, Oregon, Oregon plays at Texas Tech this weekend. How about that? As the Ducks put it, put up oh, 80 nice. with Bo Nix in week one. And then, of course, yeah. Texas Tech lost in Laramie because everything runs through Lubbock, if you don't know that. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, the Pac-12 was interesting with USC, you know, Washington. Undefeated. Colorado now a conversation. Yeah, they went undefeated. First them. time in 40 years. This is this is the best start they've ever had as the Pac, arguably, in Pac-12 history, yeah. in, or at least recent history. And it's the... It's a farewell tour. Well, you know what? That's right. You got to have a good farewell tour. There you go. Yeah, it's it's their that's, swan song. But yes, mm-hmm. they're really good. And so the, all those matchups will be must see TV, right? When when USC plays Utah, or USS USC plays Washington, uh, all those teams are really good. Agreed. And then you know in the SEC, you know you've got you know Georgia, Alabama. Now LSU took the L, but the Clemson Florida State game becomes a really big one coming up uh, at the end of this month. Whoa. But as far as a non-conference game that is soon to be a conference game, this Texas Alabama game is as big as they get. Uh, the new uh, because of Labor Day, the, the new AP poll's not out till to this morning at some point. I am su- assuming Texas will jump into the top ten because they won. You know, Clemson lost, LSU lost. Uh, we're going to see Texas into the top 10, and Alabama is number four right now. So this will be a top 10 matchup. Yes, it will uh, be, I don't know how high Texas will go. Is it seven? Mm-hmm. Is it eight? Nine? Who knows? They'll be in there, though. So this will be a top 10 matchup in Tuscaloosa because both teams handled their business in week one. Uh, one quick note I mentioned the Astros were in first place in the OS. They are tied, tied with the baby. Mariners one game ahead of the Rangers. That's how that stands right now. My apologies because, yes, Astros were behind the Mariners by a game, but the Mariners lost to Seattle or to Cincinnati yesterday, and then the Astros won. So they're even atop the division with the Rangers again. Rangers are trending the wrong way. Big time. Wrong way. Well, they, as I said, I don't want any, no pun, or maybe full pun intended, but a shot in the arm for them with Nathan Avaldi tonight because Avaldi was their best pitch. Remember, he all-star, started the all-star game, if memory mm-hmm. serves. Uh, did he start the All-Star game, or did he just pitch in the All-Star game? Memory uh, escaping me. But um, he, no, no, he didn't. Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole started the All-Star game. But uh, he and Framber Valdez will duel tonight. Both were in the All-Star game as teammates there, but Framber didn't even go. Mm, yeah. If you remember that. Framber decided to skip the All-Star game. And have the Astros pretty much now um, solidified the 
the the the silver boot series. Yeah, they won it. They won it now, right? Yeah, the yeah. Rangers. Matt, the Astros have seven wins in the in the in the season series, okay. and uh, the most the Rangers could get to is six now. Okay, because if they win the next two games, it'd be seven and six mm. Astros for the season. Um, so wrapped up that and again, I, it's a broken record. But the Rangers last ten games, seven are against the Mariners, three in Arlington, four in Seattle to end the season. So again, the Rangers mm. have their chance. You know, they, they, oh yeah, they can go win it. I mean, it's so close. It's still, I mean, that's it's the closest that any division really has been in a long time. Long time in Major League well, Baseball, and it, it very well could go to the wire. And I'll say this: the Astros uh, and Rangers, when they wrap up this series on Wednesday, that's it. They don't play again unless they meet in the postseason. That'll be done. Dunzo between the Rangers and Astros in the silver boot. Let's get to the headlines, trending topics to start a Tuesday morning. Top Gun, Law and Equipment Rentals bring you the news, and we start with the Longhorns, who successfully opened their 2023 season with a 37-10 win over Rice at DKR. It was an opener that featured a dominating Texas defensive performance and an offense that kind of skipped and sputtered through the first half. Uh, found its rhythm, though, in the second. Blew the game open with 21 third-quarter points. 11th-ranked Longhorns now turn their full attention to the obviously much-anticipated trip to Alabama. Battle of traditional college powers. ESPN has announced that hey, they, will, they will carry the game on Saturday night on the four-letter network, but college game day, not surprisingly, will be live on Saturday morning from Tuscaloosa. Great news for Texas yesterday. Head coach Steve Sarkeesian confirmed that freshman running back C.J. Baxter returned to practice. Baxter left in the second quarter of Saturday's win uh, with a minor rib injury. It looked like it might have been a shoulder or something else. It's a rib problem. In that game, the 6'1", 218-pounder from Orlando, Florida, became the first Texas running back freshman to start with the first team in the season since Ricky Williams in 1995. Before that, it was Earl Campbell in 1974. Stunner to wrap up the weekend of college football last night, Duke Blue Devils dismantled ninth-ranked Clemson 28-7 on their home field. Uh, Duke's home field, t- two touchdown underdogs emphatically beat the mistake-prone Tigers to notch their first win over an AP Top 10 team since 1989 when Steve Superior was their coach. Cade Klubnick and Clemson moved the ball last night, piled up 29 first downs, over 420 yards of offense, but had two short field goals blocked, turned the ball over three times, including two fumbles after having first and goal at the one-yard line. Uh, and finally in tennis, former University of Texas star Peyton Stearns Saw her impressive run at the U.S. Open come to an end yesterday in the round of 16 in New York. The 21-year-old lost a hard-fought three-set match to the reigning Wimbledon champion, Marketa Vondrusova. Corn headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. The heat's made us crazy. Get up to $100 off select steel backpack blowers and employee pricing on all zero-turn mowers in stock this month at Top Gun. TopGun.net. We'll shoot you straight. All right, Rod, we'll get you a rant here coming up because... And uh, what are you, what are you ranting on today? Thoughts? Um, talking Alabama. People want to talk Alabama. We're gonna talk Alabama. Got to talk Alabama. Yeah, they won yeah, fifty six right. to seven on Saturday. I did. I watched uh, watched that game and watched some Tommy Reese uh, film from his Notre Dame He's the new play OC. calling days. Yeah, just try to get a feel for him. But I mean, it. That's, I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty. It's because you know they didn't show a lot per, intentionally in their matchup. And Tommy Rees is he, he's basically um, doing his version of Alabama's offense because Nick Saban didn't want to change a ton. But he is, it's almost, uh, I always describe it as a yeah, cover version of a, of a song. <laughs> Everybody does different cover versions of a really good song. And Alabama's offense, he doesn't want to change it since they've evolved it so much, even since Lane Kiffin came in and Stark sure. and all those guys. So Tommy Reese is going to do his cover version of that Alabama yeah, remember, offense. <laughs> remember, Nick Saban did the 
we're going to hire you to come from Notre Dame, but you're you're using our playbook. You're running my offense. Yeah, running our offense. Yeah, we're not so scrapping everything. Yeah, so it's weird. I mean, I don't, it, it's weird to kind of get a a true uh, gauge on exactly what they're going to do and how they're going to attack Texas. We'll do our best to uh, prognosticate and predict exactly how they're going to try to exploit Texas. I got a concept. I I'm almost a hundred percent sure. They're going to try to utilize versus Texas, so we'll and get into I'll that. And I'll wait to hear that. Yeah. That's that's the, the the insight and the depth of analysis you only get from our man Rod B. Uh, here coming that, up. Uh, one other note, Rod, before we get to uh, a quick quick mention. Let's do it. Uh, we're talking about baseball. See the story with the LA Dodgers. Now the LA Dodgers are a complete contender, right? The Braves are the favorite for everybody, right? They're the best team in baseball, mm-hmm. and they just beat the Braves, the Dodgers in a, in a series. But you know the rain, the, the the Dodgers have serious starting pitching problems, and they got worse. Over the weekend, remember we told you Lionel Messi and Inter Miami played at uh, LAFC on Sunday, uh, and the crowd was huge. And they they the star-studded lineup of, of of Hollywood stars that were there. Well, the lineup also included Dodgers pitcher Julio Urias. He was there, uh, and then apparently went home and was and this is not funny, but was booked late Sunday night and released Monday morning on a fifty thousand dollar bond. Charged with felony domestic dis- uh, violence. Oh, no. What was he doing? Oh, I I went home know. from the soccer match, yeah. and whatever happened happened, and that's yeah. got to be proven. But that's a third time oh. for Julio Urias. You oh. have to assume he's going to be suspended and won't may not play again this year. That's that's a, that's at least the second or third situation mm. of a domestic nature involving the left-hander. Three strikes, and you're out, brother. And a lot of people yeah. think, especially with in the wake of the Trevor Bauer situation with the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. A lot of people believe that he should have been out after two strikes, but uh, now a third, and he's $50,000 bond. This is felony domestic abuse is the charge, Rod. Yeah. Um, so we'll keep an eye on that. Innocent until like proven guilty, a, but uh, not good for the L.A. Yeah, Dodgers. Yeah, there's a pattern developing. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, a disturbing one. Uh, and if you can sense patterns like Rod B. can in the world of football, let me tell you something before Rod gets his rant. Uh, Underdog Fantasy has a new way to play alongside your favorite football team this season. And it's not a season-long fantasy situation, right, where you have to draft it and manage it and run it all year and make roster changes. Underdog Fantasy is a cool new way where it's week by week. You do a fantasy pick them. You pick between two and five players, select whether they're going to go higher or lower on their season or in-game totals, and then you do what you do on Saturdays and Sundays. You, you watch football all day, and uh, you can win up to 20 times your money with Underdog Fantasy in a single game by going five for five. It is a fantasy game. You can win real money. It's legal here in Texas, and believe me, it's a total blast at Underdog Fantasy and perfect for those who don't want to jump into the shark-infested waters of daily salary cap competitions or those season-long fantasy leagues that consume so much of your time. Uh, you'll also love Underdog because it's easy and fast to get started and play. Sign-up process is smooth. They have a slick mobile app. It is the added level of entertainment that you're probably looking for this football season. Simply go to underdogfantasy.com or go to that uh, downloadable app and build your dream team today. And always remember, when you're there, use promo code HOGAN, H-O-G-A-N, my last name. That's H-O-G-A-N. Underdog Fantasy will double your first deposit up to 100 bucks. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code HOGAN at underdogfantasy.com. All right, Rod B., you want to jump into the rant? Let's do it. I'm ready. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. All right, like I said, trying to predict exactly what Bama's offense is going to look like is a little tough. Tommy Reese coming in from Notre Dame. Um, so you, he's got his 
you know, philosophy that uh, I mean, that he would like to implement. And Nick Saban has famously, you know, evolved that offense over time, going back to the time Lane Kiffin was there and then even Sark was there. And he loves a lot of the concepts that he's accumulated, <laughs> all right, that work in that scheme. And he doesn't want to just throw it to the side and, you know, toss the, the baby out with the bathwater. Is that the term? Uh, yes, it that is. That's a terrible saying, by the way. Yeah, where did that come from? <laughs> exactly. well, they, they used to bathe babies in, uh, in buckets. Okay, like, all right. Yeah, I get Yeah. So and then you throw the water out, uh, and you don't want to throw the baby out yeah. with the bath water. Yes. I, you know, I, I well, not like, buckets, but what are those big big, yeah, big bathtub tins? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where you bathe babies. Can I say one thing yeah, before you go deep dive? That. Yeah, go ahead. On Nick Saban, because we are talking about uh, Dabo Swinney, Mac Brown, and maybe not evolving. Mm-hmm. That's one of the greatest strengths of Nick Saban is Amen, his ability brother. to evolve yes. with the game as it changes. That's a great point. I mean, yes, he's a great coach. Yes, he's a disciplinarian. Yes, he's a great leader. But his ability to evolve with the sport as it changes is um, maybe underappreciated because you see other coaches that just don't. They just don't. They refuse to. And he, uh, you know, he used to be the, the yeller and the screamer and the hard-nosed guy. I mean, he, he evolves point. with the sport better than anyone. That's why this, this level of sustained, sustained success has been there because you see other coaches not able to do it. A- a- amen to that. And honestly, great. And you brought this up about Mac, that Mac didn't do it when he was here. But when he left with North Carolina, he evolved. He evolved. He actually, remember, he used to mock the air raid and then brought in the air raid after he left Texas, went into the media for a while, did some research, and was Five like, Five years, yeah. Yeah, and then went to North Carolina, started running the air raid. Uh, that was just him evolving as a coach. Uh, just one example of it. But Mac, and Mac admitted that, by the way. Mac admitted. Sure like, you know, I, I did research and when I was in the media and evolved in a lot of ways as a coach. So you're totally right. That's why he's the only coach in the history of college football with 100 wins at two. Uh, FBS Mac programs. Brown. Mac Brown, yeah. Congrats yeah. to him, by the way. Picked up his 100th win over yeah. the weekend for North Carolina yeah, over South Mac. Carolina. That's fast. I saw him dancing. I saw Sally in the background. I need to ask Sally how she feels about Mac now becoming a viral sensation when he starts to dance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, no, getting back to it, that's a great point, though. You're right about that. And that's how uh, – that's why this offense that he's, you know, he's now kind of you know, adopted here at Alabama – that's why it's so important to him. He doesn't want to change it because he's taken all of the great schemes and concepts from all these great offensive minds like Lane Kiffin and and Steve Sarkeesian, and now he doesn't want to throw out those those cheat codes and all those great schemes that he's accumulated. He wants to be able to uh, integrate all that stuff, including Tommy Reese's new ideas too. Uh, but anyway, so the, it's tough to figure out exactly how it's going to look, but I've watched that Middle Tennessee game, Middle Tennessee State. I watched that game and also uh, watched some Notre Dame games from Tommy Reese. But here's something that just based on watching Rice that I know Alabama's going to do. Just based on watching Alabama's game last year, which I went back and did. All right, I know it was Bryce Young. It's a different team. Um, but I went back and watched it just philosophically to see how they wanted to attack Texas. And, by the way, that was Bill O'Brien, which we'll get back to in a second, too. But let's start from the Rice game last uh, last week. There was Rice was dominated by the Texas defense. There was one concept that Rice used that actually worked versus Texas, only one that I found with consistency, and it was empty formation. Empty formation is simply when there's nobody in the backfield except the quarterback. Everybody else is uh, on the line of scrimmage or near the line of scrimmage to be a receiver going on the route. So nobody in the backfield. And I, uh, I counted nine empty plays for Rice. They, uh, if you just count the, the passes, and by the way, there was there was a sack in one of those passes too. So um, Texas got home uh, on one of those passes. But when they actually attempted a pass, when they actually got the ball off, uh, he was six of seven. Yeah, 
He actually was was pretty damn good. Uh, JT Daniels was out of empty formation. Uh, they had their only touchdown was out of empty formation. Uh, they they got two first downs out of empty formation. <laughs> they didn't have a lot of success with anything really. Uh, but you're talking about eight eight point eight yards per attempt out of empty formation uh, against Texas. And I started looking at you look at the first down touchdown rate. That's a really good first down touchdown rate. You're talking about upwards of a 40 percent first down touchdown rate for Rice out of empty versus the Texas defense, which was a dominant defense. So if you're Alabama and you're looking at what worked versus Texas for Rice, you throw out empty formation. And even more so, I went and looked at Alabama last season with (laughs) Bryce Young, of course. And keep this in mind, guys, that and I pointed this out last year. I went back and looked at my notes. The adjustment that won the game for Alabama last season, guys, was empty. Yeah. It was the one adjustment. Remember, in the, se- in, the, in the first half, Alabama had two snaps of empty in that game in 2022. All right? And one was an incompletion and one was a two-yard throw, a two-yard uh, completion. So they really didn't do anything in the first half. In the second half, Bryce Young went eight of eight. <laughs> yeah, out of empty formation, went eight of eight out of empty formation. Uh, he had a that a touchdown. That touchdown came in the second half out of empty formation. He had two first downs. Uh, he was able to get out of empty formation. It was the adjustment, the single adjustment that Texas could not really. They couldn't defend. They couldn't figure it out. Not not enough time. I'm sure if they had enough time to game plan for it, they could figure something out. But that was the adjustment that PK and the defensive staff for Texas couldn't really counter. Well, you know and what they, they, if you remember, Rod, they, they went empty and then they attacked the middle of the field. Yes, they uh, did. With the running backs in the passing game. Yes. And then, so, you know, your boy went back to his notes. There it is. Went back to my film study. All right. So, and by the way, Alabama, you know where Alabama learned it from? You got to give credit here because that's what football theory is about. You do the deep dive. You're just a football investigator, essentially. Uh, Most of these coaches get their ideas from another game that another coach had a decent game plan for. He may not have beaten Texas, but he may have found a way to exploit or expose Texas in a way. Uh, Jeff Trailer, give Jeff Trailer and his staff credit. They're the ones who found out Texas couldn't defend empty. They ran 24 plays of it with Frank versus Harris. Texas in 2022. Yeah, uh, at nine over nine yards per attempt. All right, out of empty formation, and then Bama decided, damn, that works. That was the adjustment that Bill O'Brien went to to win the game for Bama. Uh, it, so in that matchup, so it, it's. It's crazy how it kind of works out that way. And well, then, and that stat you just gave is pretty revealing from Saturday because JT Daniels only completed 14 passes in the whole game. And six of them were out of him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't effective at all. Right. And I mean, so almost half of his completed passes came out of empty. And uh, he had 26 incomplete passes, too. So that was effective again this year against Texas. And, and then K-State used a lot of it, too. Um, they averaged tw- over 12 yards per attempt out of empty. They didn't use it enough. I've always said if Will Howard was starting for K-State, I think they win that game versus Texas, and th- he would have been better out of empty formation. And you go look at So last season you had three teams, I think, that exploited Texas out of empty, and one of them was Alabama. Alabama is watching that Rice game. The one concept that worked for Rice was empty formation, and I've been on the record for saying this, and I actually even tweeted it out. If you are just thinking about football theory overall and what concepts are most stressful for a defense to defend, 
in my opinion, no formation stresses a defense more than empty, and nothing violates the structural integrity of a defense quite like a dual-threat quarterback. And if you combine those two things, I think it is nightmare fuel for any defense. And Alabama can do that because they have Jalen Miro as a dual-threat quarterback. And there are some people, including my man Bobby Burton, who made the comparison that Jalen Miro reminded him of Jalen Hurts. Yeah. You know, so, I, by the way, that tweet that I just uh, uh, read to you, that was from the Super Bowl. That was, that was my observation from the Super Bowl because the Eagles damn near won that game by just going empty. Couple of stats for you for the Eagles in that Super Bowl versus Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Empty formation with a true dual threat quarterback. He he was first of all, he completed eighty five over eighty five percent of his passes out of empty formation. <laughs> but it was the runs. He had five rushes for 53 yards out of empty, three runs uh, at 10 or more yards, 10, 13, and tw- a 27-yard run. He only had one negative play, but he also had a four-yard touchdown run out of it. So you're talking about a really high first-down touchdown rate out of empty formation when you have a dual-threat quarterback. Now, that's probably the most extreme example of it, but my point is it, it can hurt any defense at any level. So is it a spy situation if you're Texas here? You could, yeah. You there are a number of ways to approach it, uh, but you could put a spy on them. But Texas has to have a plan because I believe that Alabama, based on the history, all right, Bryce Young and what he did, empty formation last season versus Texas. What you know, what we all saw with UTSA, what we all saw with K State last year out of empty formation, what we just saw Rice do out of empty formation. I went and watched the middle uh, Middle Tennessee game, and I only saw this. Honestly, this is fueling my <laughs> prediction, Black Stradamus prediction, even more. I only saw one empty formation in Alabama's first game. Only one empty formation, which lets people like, oh, well, that means they're not going to run. No, to me, that will say they're going to run well, it's it like more. the stat you had yesterday that <laughs> yeah. uh, Steve Sarkeesian uh, yeah. in game one. He had was one a, target to motion, only you know, one target to motion. Yeah, Only one player caught a ball when he was in motion. Yeah. So there are going to be a lot more yeah. motion, mo- motion in this game from Texas. Yes, exactly. And but, a lot more targets to motion. So I just think that is Alabama. They maybe wanted to see it. And it ended up being, I think, a five-yard reception or something like that. But to me, if you want to beat Texas, one of the ways that I would do it is I'd go empty. If I have a dual threat quarterback, uh, e, I'd go empty formation, and I'd force Texas to either put a spy on my quarterback, and he better be a damn good spy because if he ain't and it's one-on-one in the open field, I still can win. And if you put multiple spies on him, that means everybody else is going to be one-on-one, zero coverage across the board. So that is how I think Alabama is going to attack Texas. So Texas better have a plan for empty formation and how to spy, deploy multiple spies in multiple ways to neutralize Jalen Milrow. Well, and I love I love uh, Bobby Burton's comparison. I've actually made it too, Jalen Milrow to Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. It, yeah, I Very agree with similar it. players. I mean, Strong. Uh, he's 6'2", he's 220, he's a great runner. Mm-hmm. And remember, Steve Sarkeesian has history with Jalen. He recruited Jalen Milrow to Alabama. That's a great. Yes, remember when Jalen Milrow from Katie, Katie Tompkins, he committed originally to Texas. Mm-hmm. But then when Quinn Ewers committed to Texas, if memory serves, he then decommitted and went to Alabama. But then of course Quinn Ewers decommitted and went to Ohio State. Crazy. And then and then so it was, but it was Steve Sarkeesian who was continuing to recruit Jalen after he'd already committed to Texas, and that's how that all fell. And now of course after he recruits Jalen Milrow. He takes off, and now he's the head coach of Texas, and he's going to face Jalen Milrow with Quinn Ewers. With Quinn Ewers. Funny yeah, how exactly. it all cycles out <laughs> with these quarterbacks who grew up uh, going to 11 on, or 7-on-7 seven seven camps mm. and uh, Elite 11 mm. camps together. Yeah. Jalen from Houston and, of course, or Katie 
and Quinn from the Metroplex. So uh, the battle of quarterbacks, and it's fair to say, like, you know, the, the quarterback who has the better game, that that team's likely to win the game. I mean, last it year it was a very even game, 20-19 to 19 in the end. Bryce Young outplayed the Texas quarterbacks and uh, made more plays. He and, did. And, and, that and he did him out of empty. <laughs> he did. And he did it out of empty formation. Yeah. Uh, and back I said, Bama was the one to expose Texas in that way because after that, UTSA copied it, K-State copied it. A lot of teams copied that model. I think they're going to bring it back again. Different coordinator, though, is Bill O'Brien. Um, but remember, it's, it's, Sark, it's not Sark's. It's Saban's offense. It is. But being being called by Tommy Reese. All right. We will, uh, uh, you know, some great matchups. That's just one of them. we got all week to discuss it, Texas and Alabama. Uh, Longhorns do have the all-time record. It would surprise a lot of people that even with last year's loss by a point, Texas leads the all-time head-to-head matchup, Texas and Alabama, 7-2-1. and 7-2-1, and one, Rod. I like that. That is a number, but of course we've given you the number that Nick Saban has only lost five games in that building on that field in the last, you know, fifteen years for crying out loud, sixteen years, mm-hmm. uh, and thereby a grand total of twenty points. So it's an uphill battle without a doubt. You can play your best game there and not win it. We'll come back and uh, continue these conversations. Here's some more from Steve Sarkeesian from yesterday's availability, the offseason, and the early start for Xavier Worthy and uh, how he is really cranking this thing up. Also what he thought from the run game and the running backs in game one for the Longhorns. And great news on C.J. Baxter. All coming back here on Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers. Hook them up. 1019 AM 1260. The Horn. For the top of the hour, we will uh, play a little bullish or BS, including uh, Rod uh, was able to track down the audio from the young lady who uh, wore the white boots and the romper in the uh, mm-hmm. Pittsburgh pugilism oh, situation. And, uh, Shout out to Dave Portnoy. He's, he found her shoes. Barstool founder. Mm-hmm. Turns she, out she was protecting her mama. It was her mom. See, that's why she went crazy. You'd go crazy too. Somebody was beating up your mama in a porta potty. Yeah, and see, what? that now all makes sense to me. And we'll hear from her coming up because mm. I know a lot of people weren't with us yesterday to hear it because they were oh, that's not right. laboring on Labor yeah, Day. That's a good point. Not labor. I wanted to re rack that if we could because, it, you know, we'll have to do the whole thing. But she, she, re, she reportedly, because mm-hmm. we were watching that video over and over again saying, okay, what the heck happened here? Where did she come from? So apparently she cut in line from the one girl to get into the porta potty to go to the bathroom. White boots girl, Rod. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then while she was doing her business, mom was there. Her mom was trying to like pre- and the lady the door. and the girl who cut in line was mad, and so they got into it, and that's what started the initial fight. And then the and, like, mom, two girls jumped on mom. Yeah, there were two friends there, and so then when when mom when white boots came out of the porta potty. She mm-hmm. saw what was happening to her mom, and that's when she rolled in there and just started she, going. All she saw was red. Yeah, think Steven, about how, Steven Seagal. Think about how much rage you have. <laughs> think about your mama being jumped in a porta potty. Just think about that right now. You you walk out the porta potty, and your mom is being beaten up and jumped by two people in a porta potty. I, I, I would, you know what? Everything she did was justified. Honestly, when I saw her kick the other girl in the Makes face, sense now. Uh, you know what? It's all justified. You no, that, even if it was two women. Yes, and it was even more. Yeah, you can't. No, I can't. I, 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 you know what? I would have a low restraint, so I'd probably just throw them out to the side. But yeah, you jumping my mom in the porta potty. That's going to be consequences, Trouble. man. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I'm sure while she was <laughs> doing her business, she heard the ruckus. She heard it. She, she heard like, the ruckus. Her mama like, oh, 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 yeah. oh help me. She like, and she kind of knew going in that there was some some, it's time some, to some go. dust up. She happened. had no hesitation. Or she walked out at porta potty like Superman out of a phone booth. Like she just ready to roll. Just, uh, uh, she was uh. like a superhero. And then she became. 
became an Avenger. Oh, (laughs) man. And every man across the country who saw that was like, I am disgusted, but also turned on at the same time. Who is this woman? And they found her. See, that's how you know Barstow was thinking like every man. We got to find this woman. Uh, let's hear. Let's hear what Steve Sarkeesian was thinking. We'll hear that before the top of the hour. A little little highlight from uh, Dave Portnoy's interview with her. But uh, uh, you were just talking about Jalen Milrow and the Alabama offense and how mm-hmm. empty formation could be a big factor in this football game. Can we hear from Steve Sarkeesian yesterday talking about the Alabama offense and one Jalen Milrow from Katie Tompkins High School here in the great state? Well, Jalen's a fantastic player. Uh, you know, I got a chance to recruit him out of high school. Um, you know, he, he's got a, a dynamic arm. Uh, he can make every throw in the book, it, off platform, on the run, doesn't matter. He's a, a tremendous runner. He's an elite runner with the ball in his hand, uh, with his speed and his physicality. Uh, and he's highly competitive. He's a really good leader. And the thing probably that concerns me the most about that is they're very balanced. You know, they can run the ball with the runner. Uh, they've got really good speed on the perimeter with Isaiah Bond and uh, Jermaine Burton and, and that crew that they have there. They utilize their tight ends and they got a physical offensive line. And so you put all that together and then ultimately the threat of the quarterback run. You know, they've got a multitude of quarterback runs, whether they're zone reads, power reads, quarterback direct runs, quarterback scrambles on third downs. Uh, that's probably the biggest thing that's the toughest to prepare for, that we're going to have to spend extra time of how do we how do we control and contain the quarterback with his legs. The, the rest of the offense is the offense, which you see, and it's good, and it's, it's very well designed, and they've got really good pieces. But the quarterback run, uh, and no one, they're going to run the quarterback. It's, it's not a secret. What they did in week one is, is you know, we're going to get something different, and that's okay. Um, but, but, you know, making sure that we are accounting for number four and all of the quarterback run games is going to be a real key to the drill. Yeah, I mean, it's to me, it's the biggest factor um, to account for uh, in the game, I, in the matchup, in my opinion. Agreed, agreed. Because you, there, it, it's really, t- it's going to be really tough. It's tough either way to try to defend a dual threat quarterback, which you have to devote a player to do it. Just him in the run game. Every time you have to have a player who is now assigned to the QB which takes away your numbers advantage you'd usually have, right? You, and Sark talks about having a numbers advantage. You do that by you know, forcing the offense to double-team guys like Devontae Swain, Byron Murphy. And uh, playing more man-to-man defense, that way you can use that extra guy you gain in the, in the numbers advantage there, whether it be on the line or whether it be in the secondary, and devote them to need to stop and run or put that guy as a free safety on the back end. But if they go empty – and all your DBs are now assigned in coverage, and then now you got a spy on Jalen Milrow. Man, a lot of your, know, a lot of your resources are exhausted. Um, and and from down to down, all you need is one guy to miss an assignment or to be late on the assignment or miss a tackle on that quarterback, and you can see big runs, big gains. So that it is a concern. And that offensive line for Bama, Texas offensive line is really big, averages six four three twenty four. The Bama O line averages. <laughs> It's just crazy. Six five three forty. Yeah, three thirty nine is what I saw. Three thirty nine. Yeah. Damn. It's crazy. Big boys. Big humans. Big humans. Uh, well, but you know, if 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 he is a factor, without a doubt. Now I'll say this for Jalen Milrow. We saw him last year when Bryce Young got hurt and he had to come in, and that was you know he's a he's a better player this year. You have to assume than he was even at that moment. But he was rattleable. Right. Yes, he can run. 
And he, a lot of times, Rod, he wants to run. He does want to run. So how do you make him a passer, right? Mm-hmm. You want to make him try to beat you with his arm because he's not Bryce Young throwing the ball yet. He's not Bryce Young with the accuracy. You just heard Rod, heard uh, Sark say he's got an elite, he can make every throw, but sometimes it's inaccurate, especially if you cle- speed up his clock. And that's what the Texas defensive coaching staff has to come up with in the pressure packages because if you can speed him up, uh, and make him throw and not let the run game be his feature, you have a chance, uh, a real good chance, I think, because he has not shown he's a polished enough thrower, kind of like Jalen Hurts when he was young in his Alabama career, right? You that could make him a thrower. Coming, yeah. If you could make him a thrower, you had a chance, and that'll be the Texas assignment on defense, and it looks like they may have the personnel to do it. Wanted to hear because the other side of that ball is you know, Texas' biggest assignment is Jalen Milrow. Uh, Alabama's biggest assignment is Quinn Ewers, and you know that uh, Nick Saban is trying to make Quinn Ewers beat him and um, give him exotic looks and make him rattled, which he has shown prone to do. Here's Sark after watching the film, what he thought of Quinn Ewers and his performance on Saturday. I think there's just a level of confidence in Quinn that's different. Um, You know, a year ago he's making his second career start and probably still learning our offense, quite frankly, and the nuances of our offense. I think there's a level of confidence in him uh, this year around and, and focused in on, you know, how does he... How does he operate plays in, 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 in the system in a way to help the other guys and not because he's got a pretty firm grasp of what he's doing? Um, but to me, the biggest thing showed up Saturday was just the maturity, uh, the way he rebounded coming out of halftime um, after a couple frustrating things. I know the quarterback takes a lot of the brunt of when things aren't just clicking smoothly on offense, but we, we blew some protections that weren't on him, and he took some unnecessary hits and sacks that, that weren't on him. We didn't run a couple routes very well, especially on a couple deep balls when you go back and watch the tape um, and how we ran them. And then the, the throw looks errant, but quite frankly, the route wasn't exactly where it was supposed to be either. And so, but that's the life you live as a quarterback, right? You, you, assume, you assume the blame, right? And then you give the praise when it's good. And so, uh, but for Quinn, that didn't rattle him. You know, we got back at halftime, we got things kind of kind of rectified and uh, came out and played a really clean first three drives there in the second half. Uh, so I think that he's in a good space and ready to go this week. All right, that's the battle of quarterbacks, Rod. Quinn Ewers and uh, Jalen Milrow. Um, I, I agree that, you know, that is the quarterback position. I I also think it, in the second half, a, a lot of the game plan was built around the strengths of your young quarterback, the RPO game, the quick game, short intermediate throws. And when he is allowed to do what is you know, kind of the strength of his skill set, allowed to execute what is the strength of his skill set, he's, he's more confident. He's throwing with more confidence. When he's got to throw deep balls, he's not throwing with confidence. He knows the numbers. He he see he knows he's not a good deep ball thrower. You think you think we're telling him something he don't know? You know what you're good at and what you're not good at. And when you're doing something you're not good at, aren't you insecure about it? Aren't you a little bit like hesitant, like, eh, I'm not good at this, but I'm gonna go out there and do it anyway. But when you do when you're doing something you're good at and you know you're good at it, oh man, the confidence you have. The, yeah. the you know what I mean? And, Whatever and he, happened to Quinn throwing them bombs? Come on, man. Yeah, see, see, see how misinformed that was? Like, we, we didn't even know who Quinn was at the time. Throwing them bombs. Throwing them bombs? What bombs? What you talking about, man? No, we don't need them throwing no bombs. Short game, <laughs> quick game. Get quick it out of game, the sand. short game. Yeah, that was kind of, it was fun to talk about, but no. No, 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 no. Nobody's talking about that anymore. So I think you need to have him doing things he's confident in, which is a short, quick, and the intermediate game. And I think you're going to see that versus Bama. You're going to see it in spades, tons of it. Well, and as you said, uh, and Rod does the deep dive like no other, uh, 
Only one quarterback run out of empty for play out of empty for Alabama. There'll be more of Just that. Just one. And yeah. then for and Sark, I mean, this we talk about vanilla game plans. You know, Texas completed one pass to a receiver who was in motion. Uh, that's that's going to be different. And the, the guy that's going to be in motion a lot in this game, I believe, is Xavier Worthy, who becomes an X factor. And the quick game can be to X man. Uh, because he's off to a good start, had 90 yards in receiving uh, on Saturday. Here's Sark yesterday talking about X-Man. Uh, you know, at the end of last year, a lot of boo birds in the Alamo Dome for, for Xavier Worthy. He had his bad, bad body language, had the injured hand, but Sark has been glowing of his praise for his young wide receiver so far through camp and into this season. I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm glad you guys kind of got a glimpse of that Saturday. You know, I, I just feel like, He's had an awesome offseason. You know, he really has recommitted himself um, to his regiment, to his teammates, to the to the program. I think the guy's having more fun now than he's ever had here playing football. Um, and I think he's playing fast with energy. I think he's got good leadership. Um, and quite frankly, in the third quarter, I felt like he kind of ignited the offense with the punt return. He made a couple nice plays on the perimeter. Uh, and ultimately, that opens up AD for a touchdown and opens up uh, JT for a touchdown. And so um, I just think what he's providing day in and day out, nothing changes for him. He's the first guy on the practice field every day. He's one of the last ones to leave. He sits in the front row in every meeting. He takes great notes. But the personality of him is really back out. He's smiling so much more. Um, you can almost feel like the, there's a weight lifted off his shoulders and he's enjoying playing the game. And, and he's reaping the benefits of it, but, but we are too. Yeah, we're, we're getting the best version of him right now, which is, which is a really good version. One of those games, Rod, it's a showcase game for everybody, right? I mean, the eyes of the nation will be watching. And yep. uh, we just saw Deion Sanders with the eyes of the nation watching his team. And a guy like Travis Hunter absolutely balled out. And he's the talk of the nation now. This is the kind of game where you create those reputations. And, uh, you know, everybody will be paying attention on Saturday. Yeah, and uh, X-Men will be going up against an All-American. Some of those snaps in Kool-Aid McKinstry, I'm assuming, yeah. uh, for Alabama. He they, left the game on Saturday with a, with a minor injury, but yeah, they think he's going to be I okay. I watched it. Basically, that was a targeting or something that he got hit uh, at one point. And I think it was like a, I don't know if it was a concussion or what he was diagnosed with, but it was, yeah, so I think he's going to be fine. Okay. Based on what right, I Kool-Aid saw. Kool-Aid is a first-round draft pick type player on the outside. Yeah. And, and he's got a great name. They'll be, it is a good name. They'll end up matched up a couple of times, and that'll be kind of one of the highlights. And for, for X-Men, that's where you go make your money. I mean, that's a corner that's going to be drafted in the first round. You go out there and make him look silly, put him, you know, put him in the spin cycle a couple of times, and NFL scouts will be drooling. Yeah, they'll all be there, X-Men. by the way. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. This is one of those head-to-head matchups they want to see. Hey, we come back. It'll be some bullish and BS because uh, – our man, Coach, on the text line says this. Let me get this straight. The girl in the white boots cut in line to go to the porta potty, and while she was in there, her mother got wailed on. How's she the hero? She caused a fight. <laughs> oh, she had to take care of business. We'll come back. Hit the bullish or BS. Also, did you hear what uh, Peyton Manning said yesterday? Peyton and Eli Manning? Uh, we'll get you that in bullish and BS coming next. Bullish or BS? Brought to you by the Austin Gamblers. And we learned a lot about uh, college football week one. But remember, it's a week one snapshot. What happens in week one doesn't always translate to the big picture. What can we glean from uh, five days of college football? I think we can glean, Rod, that uh, 
we could be pretty bullish on Florida State. They look pretty damn good. Florida State's for real. Keon Coleman. The Big 12 um, might be struggling. Yeah, might be a disappointment this year. Overall, as a league, not Texas. Wasn't a good first overall. week with but, uh, Baylor's loss, Texas Tech, and uh, TCU. TCU. Yeah, and then Texas, Oklahoma both won, but Oklahoma looked really, really good. And they did. Too. I they think did. UCF might be one of the better teams in the Big 12 this year. Central Florida there you go. They got Gus a shot Miles now. Yeah. And a quarterback back. Right. Hey, we're going to chat with our buddy Mike Craven in the next hour. Mike, of course, the senior writer at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Uh, all thing. He was at the uh, game in Fort Worth, Rod. He was in Cowtown. He was at the Deion Sanders post-game mm-hmm. news conference and oh, yeah, said man. it was uh, one of the, one of the more. That's a show. Int- that's a show. It was a show. That was a Deion, show. Deion puts on a show. He does. You, will be, you will be entertained. Deion, no doubt. You will be entertained. <laughs> there is no doubt. And so Craven there also, he's got a cool story on uh, the, the Houston uniforms that everybody, especially old Oilers fans love. Mm-hmm. He's got a story on that. And he just put a story out on Dave Campbell's Texas Football Today about G.J. Kinney, uh, the young head coach at Texas State, and their huge win in Waco yes, in his first big. game. And we've told you that story before, but his father, uh, Gary um, Gary Joe Kinney, when he was in high school, G.J., his dad was shot uh, by an angry parent. And I've been told, Craig Way has told me this story several times. It's crazy. Yeah. It's a crazy he lived. story. It was, he a lived. Mi- it was a miracle that he lived. Too. Yeah, a disgruntled parent. Uh, he was the head football coach at Canton High School. <laughs> And um, but so we'll, we'll talk to Mike about that, but also his thoughts on the Longhorns and what he saw from the Big 12 um, you know, in week one and the, the teams in the state of Texas. By the way, we didn't mention this yesterday, Rod. You know, Sam Houston State is now into the uh, – Sam Houston is now into the high level, becoming the 13th team in the state of Texas to go to the, to the, to the top. The FBS level? And they played by BYU Saturday, and they lost 14 nothing. Like, they, it, it was, they were in the game. In that game. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man. All right, so we got college football on the brain for sure. Can I give you a bullish and BS, Ron? Give it to me. I was reading a little bit of this story. David Ubbin has written a story. He says he's the Shohei Otani of college football, a modern-day Dick Butkus. I went to Georgia to learn the two-way star Travis Hunter's origin and figure out how Deion Sanders convinced the number one prospect in the nation to spurn his lifelong dream school for Jackson State. He also said Travis Hunter was quoted in this story as saying, if Deion went to Alaska University... I would follow Dion to Alaska University. Uh, bullish or BS on Travis Hunter as a strong Heisman candidate, Heisman Trophy candidate? Yeah, right now, of course he is. Yeah. There's actually, not a lot of people on the list, and he's one of the people on the list. He's probably the top guy right now. Yeah. And Shadur is probably on that list, too. Shadur Sanders. Yeah. I'm, bought, I'm bought in. I wasn't before yeah. that game. Uh, and that game against a team that played in the national title game last year was yeah. the most dominant force on the field on both sides of the ball. Yeah, he was the real deal. Whenever he was on the field, he was the best player. Mm-hmm. Should have had what? Two touchdowns? He dropped a touchdown and dropped an interception in that game. Otherwise, he'd have to add another touchdown and add another pick. Yeah, he had That's over crazy. 100 yards receiving. And remember, he was locking down on corner on the, whoever the TCU best receiver was. And uh, what a performance. He played over 100, 129 snaps in the game. Have you all seen the video of the from the sideline of the TCU fans before his pick on the goal line? Where yeah. They're like, throw it at, Tra- throw it at Hunter. And the, the, the camera turns around. It's like, oh, right, who said well, it? Who well, said the other, it? Yeah, yeah throws, he throws, and throws a pick the yeah, next play. Yeah, yeah. Like, as he's saying it. Yeah. Right, and the other, and the other side of that is they were on, on when he was playing offense, he was going right at Josh Newton, the all Big 12 corner. I mean, right at him. They went at him a few times. Didn't even shy away from him. He's mm-hmm. one of the best corners in the Big 12. Nah, we're fine. I'll go right at you. What do you have, Rod, and Bullish and BS? Well, yeah. He's trying to show NFL scouts that he can be an NFL receiver. To do that, you got to go up against NFL players and put it on film. Put it on film. He's trying to put it on film. Uh, all right. This 
And speaking of putting it on film, the Texas Tech Red Raiders, they don't like what they put on film versus Wyoming when they Ooh. took the L over the weekend. And Joe Me the Money, uh, Joey McGuire, uh, bullish or BS on his um, statement of contrition? There's two things. One, I think they are the, ought to react the way they want to react. You know, I mean, I've read all of it. You know, now I encourage that literally I got on the plane and Debbie said, don't get on social media. She already knows I'm a messed up person in the head. I really am. <laughs> I, you know, there's a there's a, a, some, a, a coach, and, and I totally understand where he's coming from, but Sark said embrace the hate, you know, and, and uh, some of that stuff fuels the fire. Uh, I, I did recommend the players not do that, you know, because uh, um, I'm 52 years old and, you know, what anybody says. I've been doing this for a long time. I grew up coaching in South Dallas where football is life. Like everything around those communities um, is, is – so I, I've heard this, you know, before, and I get it, man. They're, they're fans, and, and I totally understand it. And trust me, I, I feel the exact same way. There's, there's nothing that's been written or – put in social media that I guys I feel the exact same way I mean trust me I'm saying in my own head and uh you know some of the comments in my own head that would if that would have got out on social media y'all <laughs> been all going like what's this dude saying did he really just say that and so I get it yeah, he there gets you go. embrace the hate uh and, and bullish or BS him quoting Sark now we come life comes at you fast uh after all the these so-called blue bloods and Brett Yarmark's joke about the, them beating Texas again this year uh, what are your thoughts, bullish or BS, on the uh, the contrition Look, now Texas, being shown by Joey McGuire? I know Texas fans don't like him, but I like Joey McGuire. He's he's lovable. I, I yeah, like he's him. Yeah. I know again the fanatics and the fans are going to hate him, and I get it. That's part of it. But there's I, I like the guy. I think he's genuine. Uh, he was a great high school coach. I think he's going to be good for Texas Tech big picture. But yeah, that Wyoming is now a common opponent. The Longhorns are going to be able to watch that film with Texas Tech and Wyoming on Saturday night. And have a look, but uh, I like Joey McGuire, and I'm fine with what he said. I, I tend to agree with him. Uh, can I play this for you, Rod? Because you found it yesterday, but people were off on Labor Day. Here is White Boots from the uh, the Pittsburgh pugilism story. I <laughs> uh, wanted to hear a little bit from her interview with Dave Portnoy. This is the porta potty fight. She came out of nowhere to uh, rescue her mother. Apparently, real quick, some sound from her. Bullish or BS on this being? Uh, um, she she says it's her first and ever fight. First, first ever fight. You buying that? Come on. Bullish or BS? Here she is. I didn't really realize that I cut in front of this girl and I walked into the bathroom and my mom was standing outside the door, guarding the door. Cause this girl was pissed. Like she was mad. So I hear this going on. I just walked out and saw two girls ganging up on my mom. So I just did what I think any daughter would have done. I just beat the pet of them. There you go. There it is. I love her, dude. I love her. See, she didn't cut on purpose. She was just trying to get to the restroom. She had to now, go. Her lack of awareness. That's, that's, you know, that's something you can get on her for. But when she heard her mom were being jumped in a porta potty, man, she just went into attack mode. Do you think you'd be buying bullish or BS? And she says that's the first time she's ever been in a fight. She looked like she knew how to fight. She was dragging people, Dude, kicking people, scissor kicks. I, I believe her because I think if somebody sees a mama being jumped in a porta potty, it just they, snaps. Yeah, exactly. They just go into rage mode, and you just start going off. I think anybody would do that. The most innocent person on the planet sees a mama being jumped in a porta potty. They're going. They going ham. <laughs> they going ham. Our man Tom on the text side says bullish or BS. Peyton Stearns bullish. Yeah, good for her. Peyton Stearns. Oh, well done. Not even a year into her pro career, made it to the round of sixteen at the U.S. Open. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Made a made a great run, and then she lost to the def- the current Wimbledon champion. 
in a great match. She is on the rise, without a doubt. Peyton Stearns on the tennis court. Longhorns on the football field. Astros and Rangers on the baseball diamond. All things we're talking about. Plus, Mike Craven, the senior writer at Dave Campbell's Texas Football, will join us to uh, recap week one of the college football season. Coming back. 